This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Thank you, kids, for helping us, giving us a lovely practical demonstration of what it looks like for each of us to shine the light and the love of Jesus uh, through us into our surrounding neighbourhoods. So I guess the question for us today, uh, who aren't doing kids' packs for the next 15 minutes, <laughs> uh, though adults, if you really wanted a, a kids' pack, I believe there are gummy bears in there today, just, just saying. Um, the question is for us is, well, what does this uh, look like in practice? Uh, what does this actually look like in a community that so loves Jesus that they're going to shine the light and the love of Jesus through the ways that they serve, the ways that they bless, the ways that they get their hands dirty with actually loving on people? Well, one of my favorite historical examples of this um, Sorry, this is what we're doing today, by the way. Uh, one of my favorite historical examples of this is, is a group of Christians um, in a city in the fourth century. Uh, this is in a city called Caesarea. And um, there'd been an enormous amount of hardship that had been going on in this city, uh, having to deal with warfare, having to deal uh, with famine. And then on top of it, now a plague ran through their city. And the ancient historian Eusebius, uh, he records for us some of the conditions that, that people were having to experience. Uh, he wrote about people having to barter their most precious possessions uh, for the smallest scrap of food. Uh, others sold their things little by little until they were reduced to desperation. Uh, he writes of people looking shriveled like ghosts, staggering about throughout the city, falling down, reduced to begging because they were so hungry as their life slipped away. So what happened in this city? Well, for most people, they just went into every man for themselves uh, kind of thing. People who had money, people who had food, kept it, hoarded it, because they knew that the famine would eventually get to them. Uh, those who were experiencing uh, the plague when it came through, um, it was really terrible. They actually started, you know, dropping family members where they were and fleeing to other cities. Like, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that as a, as a parent, uh, maybe as a brother or sister, having to leave the city knowing that you're leaving behind family members uh, who were effectively had the sentence of death over them? So everybody went, this is the zombie apocalypse, we're out of here, uh, and every man for themselves, except, except this group of people who claimed the name of Jesus, who stayed, who loved, who provided for, who buried. Uh, this is a, a little uh, picture uh, showing what the Christians at the time were doing. And so this ancient historian, uh, Eusebius, uh, he records this about the light shiningness of the early Christians. He said, amongst this, this is going to be a battle today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> in this awful adversity they alone those who claim the name of Jesus gave practical proof of their sympathy and humanity all day long some of them tended to the dying and to their burial countless numbers with no one to care for them others this is the Christians others gathered people from all parts of the city a multitude with those withered from famine and distributed bread to them so that, I want you to hear this, so that their deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. 
for such actions convinced them that they alone were pious and truly reverent to God. So you have a watching city. They don't follow the God of the Christians and yet see that the way that Christians, those who claim the name of Jesus, served, blessed, fed, buried at great personal cost, it's fair to say. I mean, if you are welcoming in and caring for people with the plague, that puts your entire household at risk. And yet this was how the Christians showed and demonstrated their love. Why? Well, because they served, they followed a saviour who had shown what it meant to love, to be self-sacrificial, to be others-centred, to have this posture, this concern for other people that would lead them to bless and to protect and to provide because that's just who they were. I think it's a powerful picture for us. All those rainbows, all that light being shined out of our life as a community of faith, living out the good news of Jesus amongst a watching and waiting world. And I think when we think of the lostness and the brokenness in our world today, part of us, our hearts should be driven with compassion for those who are outside the faith, yeah? And not just wanting them to hear about what we believe, but to actually get a taste, to be able to actually see something reflected in us and, and in our collective life that speaks to the love of this God who would leave heaven to pursue us, this self-sacrificial God that would lay his life down on a cross as we start to live out the kingdom, the values of the kingdoms that people would see and experience this for themselves. So I want to run you through a bunch of Bible verses today. You've already heard half a message, so you're only going to hear half a message from me today, and the two add up to one, hopefully. Um, but I want to remind you what Kay's already reminded us of from Matthew chapter 5, and that is that we are called to this. Right? This is not an optional extra. This is not for the Christian who's followed Jesus for decades and decades and has ascended the levels of Christian maturity. This is just what discipleship looks like. As we follow Jesus, we adopt a posture of blessing others, of being for others, of loving in practical ways. Matthew 5, NIV, in the same way, let your light shine before others. This is Jesus speaking, that they may see that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to this as the people of God. We're also created to do this as those who have been saved by God, Ephesians chapter 2. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This is part of what we're created to do, to do good works as those who have come to place their faith and trust in Jesus. Throughout the scriptures, we are reminded to do this. Do not forget to do good. In all our assembling, in all our participation in Christian programs, do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. We're encouraged to do this. Don't become weary in doing good. We know sometimes it's... Oh, we don't always feel like it, right? Not only we remind to do this, we're encouraged to do this. And the scriptures remind us that actually we'll reap harvest if we do not give up being in the pattern, being in the practice, having a lifestyle of doing good, of blessing others. 
We're spurred on to do this. Galatians 6 verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, every time there is an opportunity for us to do good, to be a blessing, to bring blessing, to provide, to care for, let us do good. And one final one, we are motivated to do this as those who belong to Jesus. Jesus Christ who gave himself up for us to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Well, those people, us as a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. I mean, taken together, you put all these verses together throughout our scriptures uh, and what it shows is, is a picture of a disciple of Jesus that is so committed to a pattern of blessing others as a lifestyle. That wherever they go and wherever there's opportunities, day in, day out, there is this commitment to shine the light and the love of Jesus. And can you imagine with me for a moment what the ripple effect would be if all of us lived that way? Right? We've seen a few torches shine on some CDs around our auditorium and you've seen the lights sprinkle and splash and move around and it draws your eyes. When we live in the Central Coast, it's not a large population area. Can you imagine the ripple effect if we, as the people of God, if Christians across the Central Coast, if we lived this way, this pattern of being a blessing, bringing blessing, serving, protecting, providing wherever we go, what would that look like? I think it would be unmissable. I think it would be unmistakable. I think it would become the stuff of legends, much like that church back in Caesarea in the fourth century. We would be known for doing this. We would have a reputation for living this way. People who don't know Jesus would see how Christians bless. Uh, they would hear how Christians serve. And many would experience the reflected life and love of Jesus firsthand. And that, my friends, should get us a little excited. Dream with me. Have that vision, let it sink down and take root in your heart. You know, that group uh, earlier that I talked about in the fourth century, um, sometimes it's easy to look and go, man, that was a long, long time ago in a city far, far away, and that was in response to one crisis. Now, they nailed it. And we know, of course, the Christians haven't always nailed it through the centuries. Uh, but for the Christians at the time, that was not just a one-off. And we know that because we have the history records. That this was just the normal pattern of Christians in those first early centuries. A couple of decades after that particular example, there was a Roman emperor called um, Julius, Julius the Apostate, uh, he, he was known as, because he renounced Christianity and tried to restore pagan practices throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, he was actively trying to undermine Christianity as a religion and faith in Jesus um, as, as the normal religious practice um, that was increasingly growing. And so Julius the Apostate, working against Christianity and against the Christian church, he writes to his pagan priests. And we know this because we've got, we've got the historical records. We've found snippets of these letters that he wrote to his pagan priests. And in, and in some of these letters, he, he writes this. It is there, the Christians' benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, and their pretended holiness of their lives that have done the most to increase atheism. 
And he's just, by that meaning, moving people away from the pagan practices that he personally practiced. In another letter he wrote, I believe that we, the pagans, ought really and truly to practice every one of these virtues. Right? You know that you're getting it pretty right if the pagan Roman emperor set on trying to stamp out Christianity is writing to his pagan priests and saying, I think we need to be more like them. I think we need to live the way that they're living, the way that they care for people. That's actually causing people to put their faith and trust in their God. And he actually, there's a bunch of stuff that that he brings in and and he highlights these practices of the early church and even complains of the fact that people know that if they're in need to go to the church, to go to the Christians and not to go to the Roman pagan priests. You know, there are so many ways that we can bless others by living such good lives. But even though people may not agree with what we believe, or maybe they're actually really concerned with some of our ethics or our morality, they will actually see, they'll get a taste of something, something unmistakable, something undeniably good and true and loving and pure, that they may see our good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We do this in big ways, collectively, as Christians throughout the centuries. And we do this in small ways, individually, through our lives as well. And so don't feel like, oh my goodness, there's no giant crisis for us to respond to. This is just the regular pattern of what it means to live missionally. With our heart, in the forefront of our hearts, this desire to be and to bring blessing. And so it may be as simple as your neighbours who don't yet know Jesus, you know they've had a tough time and you say, hey, we're going to come over, we're going to do the gardening for you this weekend. Or we're going to look after your kids and send you guys out on a day because I know you've just been having a rough time. Maybe it's just giving a gift. Uh, I tell you what, nothing surprises people more than giving a gift that is undeserved, unasked for and where there's no expectation of it being reciprocated. Maybe it's kindness in our language, in our words. You know, over the years I've seen this done beautifully and I've done it, seen it done so well um, by many Christians and Christian churches. Been a part of churches that I, I was in Blue Mountains for a while and when, when the fires came through, well, we just opened up our hall and partnered with other Christian organisations, Samaritan's Purse uh, and the Salvos and turned what would be our hall down there into a food bank. Um, we all gave money to help the rebuilding efforts. Um, we are, put all the stuff out online saying, hey, if you need somewhere to stay, come and stay uh, at the church or we'll find someone that can stay where you can stay with. We've been a part of churches that have fed the homeless week in and week out as part of our commitment to live these values out. We've been part of many churches that have offered free counselling services for people going through a tough time. Uh, or supporting uh, legal agencies that help provide at cost or or no cost uh, help to those who are going through the family court and can't afford legal aid. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, and it's so right when we actually live these ways. Not just loving each other in the comfort of the four walls of our church community, but being out, seeing ourselves as agents of blessings recognizing that as people look at us we are reflecting something of the light and the love of Jesus 
what it does is it testifies to a heart that is so changed by this God of grace that we can't help but have the same love that we've experienced overflow into the ways that we bless others. Does that make sense? It makes sense, doesn't it? And so I don't want to over-explain something that is so simple and so straightforward. As I said last week, these missional practices that we're looking at, they're, they're really quite easy to understand. They don't need explanation. What they need is implementation. We actually just have to live them. As we have opportunity, do good. Do not grow weary in doing good. Let our lights shine so that others may see. So I'd love just to end with a story of where I've seen this work really well. Because um, I think part of the power of living this way is that it really connects with people who don't yet know God. Uh, and it can often build bridges and remove barriers um, into that conversation. So it was a number of years ago, uh, one of the young adult girls in my church, she'd kept in contact with uh, a boy that she'd gone to school with. Uh, he'd grown up in a, in a really broken home and a broken family situation. And so uh, even uh, in his teenage years, was kind of out of the family home and kind of on his own and forced to make his own way in the world. Um, he'd got into some pretty dark stuff. I think he was in some, some mental health spaces and, and certainly been experimenting with all manner of substances to try and, try and solve some of the pain, I guess, that, that he carried in his life. Uh, when I came across him, he was living in a, in a group house uh, with some people who were not good influencers, who were also not only substance uh, use abusers, but also dealers as well. So not a, great, not a great environment for him. And yet this young adult girl, in the kindness of her heart, firmly believing that she was called to be a blessing, even after she left school and there was no reason to keep in contact with him, would continue with kindness and with love as a desire for him to just to invite him to hang out when she hung out with her friends. And so she would continue to invite him to her birthday parties and sometimes he'd show up and sometimes he wouldn't and sometimes he'd turn up late and sometimes he wouldn't be able to stay long and all that kind of stuff. But she persisted and kept at it. Uh, there was one time she, she invited him to her baptism service just saying, hey, this is a really important moment in my life. I want to invite you to come along. So as he started meeting the other Christians, the other young adults at our church, well, then they started blessing and, and layering up this care and this concern for him as well. He didn't have a license. He didn't have a car. He didn't have much to his name. And so the young adults of my church would drive him somewhere. We'd say, please, let us, let us give you a lift. Let's get you off the public transport. We're happy to give you a lift. And at first he was like, really, I don't know. I don't know if I can accept this charity i don't know if i can accept this love but they persisted and they said no no we want to we we really want to this would be a joy for us to do and so i started giving him lifts everywhere when they went out for dinner together after the evening service they'd shout him dinner because they knew he didn't have much and the times where he was at church where he had to go out and because it was just all too much and have a smoke and do whatever it is we just that'd be that's fine that's cool and and welcome him back and so week on week, month after month, person after person, he was experiencing something different than he'd experienced in his own family of origin. He was seeing something different than he was seeing and experiencing in his own circle of mates, in his own housemates, the people that he lived with. He started feeling seen and valued and cared for and provided for and we'd pay for tickets for him to go places like our young adult retreat and things like that. 
And eventually, year after year, um, this young man came to faith in the Lord Jesus. And the last I'd heard of him before I moved up here, he was um, at a church. He's sorting his life out, cleaning himself up, got himself a job, um, and was really owning his own personal faith in Jesus. And that's not to say that's going to be the outcome or the story of every single person that we show Christian kindness and charity to. Um, but that's always what's going to happen when we bless those who don't yet know Jesus. But increasingly, I find that it can be. That it is. He experienced and he saw, he tasted something being reflected through the lives of those who claimed the name of Jesus that sought him to call on the name of Jesus for himself. So what does it mean to have missional practices, to live missionally? Well, I don't think we need to just jump to our gospel explanations. I think sometimes we need to demonstrate the good news of Jesus in the ways that we live and the ways that we interact with the world around us. We know this is true. And so for the question for us is, will we live it? Not just in a crisis, not just in a one time that we ride on the laurels of and tell the stories of years, years later, but will we adopt this as a pattern, as a practice, as a lifestyle of those who reflect the light and the love of Jesus? So I've got a prayer for us. We don't do this very often, but um, I'd love it if you're comfortable with uh, just to actually repeat the lines back. So I'm going I'm to read it and then I encourage you, if you'd like, to pray it with us. Heavenly Father, this is the prayer. Thank you for lavishing your love on me. And thank you for filling my life with your many blessings. Lord, I am ready, willing, and wanting to bless others. Lead me to who I can bless this week and guide me in how best to serve them. Through this loving interaction, may they experience something of the incredible love and light of Jesus being reflected. Amen. So I'm going to pray this a line at a time. Uh, and you're welcome to, well, I don't know, what do you want to do? Do you want to, do you want to, do you want to pray it out loud? Is that too scary? Or do you want to pray it Baptist style in the, in the stillness of your hearts? Out loud? Can you do out loud? Let's do it loud. Well, I'm going to invite you to stand. Uh, and as always, there is no obligation to participate in anything we do in the life of our church. But if you're someone and you're like, man, you know what? Yes. Yes. I don't want my faith to be contained to a personal thing that I hide under a bushel, uh, under a bucket. But I want my light to shine uh, into the lives of others. I want to be an agent of blessing. Then would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Thank you for lavishing your love on me. Thank you for lavishing your love on me. And thank you for filling my life with your many blessings. Thank you for filling my life with your many blessings. Lord, I am ready, willing, and wanting to bless others. Lord, I am ready, willing, and wanting to bless others. Lead me to who I can bless this week. Lead me to who I can bless this week. And guide me in how best to serve them. Guide me in how best to serve them. Through this loving interaction, through this loving interaction, may they experience something of the incredible love and light of Jesus. 
may they experience something of the incredible love and light of Jesus. Amen. So Heavenly Father, I pray for us as your children. Would you be pleased, God, I pray this week and in the weeks, the months, the years, the decades to come to reflect your light and your love through us in the ways that we seek to be a blessing and to bring a blessing wherever we go. Holy Spirit, we invite you. You've heard that prayer. Would you lead us to somebody that we can bless this week and guide us in the ways that we can truly serve them in a ways that will be a blessing to them? And God, we do this without expectation. We don't do this for our own glory or for any sense that there would be anything reciprocated. Uh, we do this because we love you and we love people. So lead us, guide us. And I do pray, Lord, that people would experience that as it's meant. God, you are so good. Would you continue to lead us as a church to be truly missional? to love the world that you've created, to love all the people you've put in it. And with our life and our lifestyles and our normal everyday practices, work through us to draw people to yourself, to reveal the goodness of the good news and to reveal the love of the King of the Kingdom. For your glory and for the sake of the world, we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.